Penn State Conversations is a podcast hosted by the Alumni Society Board's Young Alumni Council of the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. This monthly podcast will discuss key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this month's Penn State Conversation. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good. Excited to be here. Would you like me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, what we do at Fuel um, has definitely changed over the last 15 years. Um, mostly due to having to adapt to our clients' needs um, with the expertise that we have. So our core business is creating film and video projects that are supplemental to larger campaigns, either marketing campaigns, advertising campaigns, or PR campaigns. Um, We work directly with several Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered here in Richmond. Um, And we work on long-form projects ranging from uh, executive messages, recruitment, employee recruitment, uh, investor relations, employee communications. Um, our videos are typically used for both internal and external audiences. Um, we also work with PR agencies to produce work for social media campaigns, trade shows, um, event presentations, anything a PR agency would use a video tactic for. Um, and that, so that's our core business, but we also have an initiative called Ember, which is, um, creating videos for nonprofits in our area that help them fundraise, um, capital campaigns, uh, celebrate proof of performances, all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, we've just now started to create our own content in the form of documentaries. So we've had a documentary that aired on PBS, uh, in Virginia, um, in the spring, and um, it will be available on American public television, so it'll be distributed nationwide um, in the coming months. So we do a lot of things at Fuel. <laughs> That's great. Uh, how about you, Jared? Well, I'm happy to say that RMG just recently celebrated its 18th birthday, 18 years in business, so my company is now officially legal. We're able to vote, I guess, so uh, we're considered an adult business. Um, But uh, 18 years ago and up to today, we started doing uh, what I would call traditional video productions, corporate video productions, everything from marketing videos to training videos to um, uh, tutorials, product tutorials, how to use someone's uh, equipment or product, how to fix someone's equipment or product, Um, uh, employee safety videos, things of that nature. So we and we still do a, a, a number of those types of productions. Uh, just not for tape or DVD. Now it's all either uh, social media or through uh, internet video of some sort. Uh, in addition to the corporate video, we also do 
uh, we used to call it programming, but now it's called content because everything we do on television now, we also do on the internet. We do uh, real estate marketing in the Johnstown Altoona market for uh, two uh, very large Remax offices. And then on the sports front, we do television programming and we're the official digital media production partner for Powerboat Nationals. And we will have a show coming up from a race in Knoxville, Tennessee, very soon on Fox Sports Southeast and Middle Atlantic Sports Network. But it's already available on YouTube and Facebook via our social media platforms and uh, the racing series social media platforms. And we're also working more with social media content, internet content, as far as video is concerned, working with our uh, County Economic Development um, uh, Council, where we've produced a series of eight studio-based programs using a uh, local affiliate anchor who came in and hosted the shows for us, and we uh, invited eight business people from the county, ranging from small entrepreneurs to large corporate CEOs, to talk about the benefits of starting a business in Somerset County. So we run the, the rainbow very much like uh, Pam, where we'll do everything from you know, a simple 30-second commercial all the way up to a long-format television program or internet program. So that, in a large nutshell, is what RMG does. Great. Knowing that this is where you uh, both are at today, can you tell us a bit more about what you started out doing when you left Penn State and maybe some early careers before you branched out on your own and starting your own companies? And maybe this time, Jared, we'll start with you. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I started my career actually before Penn State. I'm a veteran of the Marine Corps. I served in the Marine Corps for six years as a combat cameraman. So I came out of the Marine Corps with a lot of video knowledge and a lot of still photography knowledge that I wanted to build on with a degree from Penn State. So before coming to Penn State, I worked in the field for a while. And then while at Penn State, I did freelance work as a videographer, uh, as a news uh, stringer, a freelance news videographer. And then I worked on a couple of corporate projects. But my first job coming out of Penn State, I got a job with an advertising agency that worked uh, pretty much in the automotive industry. They did a lot of uh, car ads. So I did a lot of work with them. And um, then I moved to, uh, it was a ill-fated, very brief uh, lifespan uh, niche cable channel called the Military Channel, not the one that was more recently owned by Discovery Communications. This was a, uh, uh, an independent cable channel, and it unfortunately went out of business. So I came back to Pennsylvania and shortly thereafter started RMG. So uh, that was my tenure before Penn State. Uh, Pam, how about you? So my first job was a result of an internship. Um, I was pretty lucky with that. There were 23 interns that year um, at KDK TV uh, in Pittsburgh, and my internship was between my junior and my senior year. And I was the only one that was offered a job um, of the class of 23 um, upon graduation. And uh, that was, it, it was a fantastic job. Um, it was in, my internship specifically was in sports programming, which at the time was part of the marketing and programming department. And um, KDKA had a, a internal producer for all the live broadcasts of pirate baseball and penguin hockey. And I was part of that team as an intern. And so when I um, graduated from Penn State and they hired me, I went back to that team um, and did uh, the live and sort of produced and um, I produced features on the players. I um, did promos for the broadcasts that were coming up. Um, I did a whole all kinds of of 
like really cool sports stuff. Um, but then I also did, because I was a full timer at that point, I also was able um, to do commercials for sales. Um, I did other programming like the Children's Hospital Telethon. I was a producer, a live producer um, for that. Um, and I also, you know, as the time went on, I was able to go into the news department and start doing um, news series. So ideas that I had, they, um, you know, were willing to listen to. Uh, and I worked with a senior producer and we would go out and we would do stories. So I was using my journalism background in that. So my, um, my, you know, first job out of Penn State was, was pretty seamless. Uh, and I know that's not the situation that a lot of students have. Um, but I worked very, very hard in my internship. I think I, you know, I would show up at work at nine o'clock and then work eight hours and then go straight to the ballpark um, after that because we had a live broadcast. So there was a good 12, 15, 16 hour days that I was putting in. And I guess that uh, that served me well in the end. At what point of you, each of your careers did you decide that you wanted to strike out on your own? And what was it about what you were doing that had you make that decision? So I can start with that. So, um, you know, I didn't know that I wanted to start my own company. I think, you know, everybody sort of thinks about that at some point. It was like, wouldn't it be great to work for yourself? Um, but, uh, you know, that's not something that was uh, a goal of mine at all. In fact, you know, for me, the more conscious decision was when I left P Pittsburgh and moved to Richmond, Virginia, I consciously got out of television and went into corporate communications. And I did that as, as a way to expand my career um, as a communicator. And so, um, and I knew once I did that, that, um, you know, it, it would certainly when it, we came around to running to starting my own business 15 years ago, I had more skills that I was able to then, I guess, sell my abilities to a client. Um, and so it, it was, it was not really something that I had thought about. Um, it turned out that, you know, we sort of fell into running our own business because it was something, my husband is also an editor and he was a post-production editor for a long time at the television station. And then for, um, a private post-production company in Richmond that did a lot of work for the discovery channel. Um, that post-production company was headquartered in Arlington and they had decided at one, at some point 15 years ago that they were going to close the Richmond branch. And so for us, it was like, well, where are these clients going to go? Cause we had, you know, my husband had local clients and I had, I was working for a corporation at the time and we just said, you know what, let's do it. Let's find a, let's create a place where, um, some of these corporations and agencies that had, had been patrons basically of Todd's work. Um, let's try and start something. And then we were lucky enough that those clients followed us to our, to fuel. And then, um, we built the company from there, um, along with my skills, both being in television and having done commercial work and, and, um, both short form and long form production work. Um, it just went from there. So, um, so it, it wasn't really something that I, I, I really wanted to do, but, um, but it was something that certainly has served me well in my life. And I, I can't, you know, there's no looking back for sure after 15 years. That's great. It sounded like you kind of saw an opportunity to seize and take advantage of. Jared, uh, do you have kind of anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I mean, very much like Pam said, uh, my 
my situation it was similar to hers, but I had actually gotten out of production altogether and I was working in radio and I wasn't really happy with what I was doing and I was just struggling like you know just many other people even though I had a solid resume just finding a job that paid what I needed to uh, to uh, uh, just to pay the bills the bills that I that I had and I was in radio as I said wasn't very happy with it and uh, was thinking about getting back into video and starting my own thing and oddly enough, I met with a friend of mine who was a client of mine when I was in radio. She ran a marketing company, and she says, I just can't find anybody around here that can do solid video. Don't you have a video background? And I said, well, I do. And as a matter of fact, I was kicking around the idea of starting my own company. And she says, you should because I have work for you. We could do all kinds of stuff. And um, so I thought about it. And again, my situation was a lot different 18 years ago. I was, I was only 30. I was single. I didn't have mortgage. I didn't have all the, the um, responsibilities that I have now personally. And it was just a really good time. And it, it, the timing worked out, just like Pam said, you know, it, sometimes things just kind of come together. I never really had that, that I knew of that I never really had like this burning desire that someday I'm going to own my own media company and by God, I'm going to go out there and make it happen. It was just, it, it just kind of worked out. And, but I look back in my life the things that I did as a teenager working, uh, the jobs that I did before the Marine Corps, while I was in the Marine Corps, and then the education that I got at Penn State, it just seemed like it all really came together, if you want to call it divine intervention or whatever, but it all came together. And um, it's as Pam said, there's no looking back, and I wouldn't want to go back. I, I think that I, I made a wonderful decision. There are ups and downs, of course, but uh, I can't imagine, uh, you know, going to work for someone else and being an employee of someone else. Now, granted, when you're in your own company, right now I've got about seven bosses that all want me to work for them all at the same time, but that's self-employment. But I can't imagine, you know, putting a resume together and, and going back out and uh, hitting the job force again. It's, uh, it's been an incredibly rewarding time, and I'm, I'm proud of what my crew and I have done. And, you know, one of the things, too, what kind of what Jared was saying was, and Jared and I have actually had these conversations before, is, you know, there there is this sort of – thought about entrepreneurship and running your own, um, you know, creative company in some way that, you know, you're set for life and you can do what you want and you can hire who you want to and all that sort of stuff. But when you are in a creative business and you as a boss, as an owner, as a producer, whatever, have some sort of creative, um, uh, part in the process, in the process or in the project, then when, then, you know, you're getting paid for your creativity. And when you take a vacation, you're not getting paid basically is what is what that is. So it's not like all rainbows and roses when you run a company and it's not like you're going to be able to travel forever or do all that sort of stuff. Yes, of course there are benefits to it, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work and, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's harder than you think to step back from it and let everybody else do their jobs because especially if you are somehow part of the creative process as the producer or the executive producer or the shooter or the director on the project, you know, if, it, if you don't do it, sometimes it doesn't get done. So, um, it, you know, that's, that's really the reality of being a business owner. I want to go back to something you both touched on, both when you were describing your companies, but then also um, as you've kind of talked about what your companies do and your career trajectories. And that's, you know, what are the skills that you both 
feel like you had to develop over the years? Uh, you know, what were some of the foundations you built at Penn State that really helped you, you know, be able to be the people you are today and to do the kinds of work that you're doing? Uh, I guess, you know, maybe it's a big question. So I guess kind of start us with what are the skills you developed at Penn State? And then over the years, what have you really had to learn that have kind of helped you get to the place where you are today? Well, I think as far as uh, my education at Penn State is something that I use every day. And I'm not saying that because I'm on a Penn State podcast right now. And I'm not, you know, this isn't a big recruiting push. But I got to tell you that, you know, every day I use my Penn State education. Because when I was at Penn State, while of course I wanted to get a good liberal arts education, I minored in business, thinking that one day I would be able, it would help me move up the corporate structure working for someone else. But in in the case of being an entrepreneur and you know, running a business, the, everything from marketing to accounting to, uh, you know, the, just the overall knowledge of the telecom degree of the, the broadcast industry, because I focused a lot on the broadcast industry, both television and radio, uh, which then dovetailed into the cable and satellite industry. But when it comes time to talk content, when it comes time to talk production, I came out of Penn State and I was ready to have those conversations with clients immediately. Uh, some of the other people that I've worked with that went to school other places, when I start talking about things, they would look at me and say, well, how did you know that? How did you learn that? And I'm like, well, you didn't learn that in college because that's what we learned at Penn State. And, you know, they could tell you all about Marconi and the radio. They could tell you about, you know, uh, you know, this network and the history of broadcasting and all that kind of stuff. But you ask them to, to discuss what's the difference between rate share and cum on a rating sheet. They were they had no idea what you were talking about. But I could come right into the into the workforce, and I knew what all that meant. And I had a great foundation. And then again, I, I used that to build the business end. I already had the production and the experience in the production coming from the military. But I used what I learned at Penn State, and I use it every day. Again, uh, for for the business end, and I mean, creative writing is a big thing. And uh, whether it's a script or whether it's actually a proposal, how what are you going to do with your proposal that's going to make you stand out if you're going out for grant money or something like that for a project? So there are so many things that, uh, as far as the education and then the opportunities that I had while at Penn State with uh, doing freelance work and um, you know being around some top-notch professionals, people that I still rely on for mentorship. I might have a question and I might hit one of my old professors up or someone that I met that was a guest speaker in class or an alumni function, I still keep in contact with them. And that was well, a long time ago, longer than I care to think. But uh, there were, uh, to, there, to answer the question, too many things, too many skills that I got at Penn State, too many things that I learned. I, I use it every day, Pam. Yeah, I mean, academically, I was a pretty good writer before I went to Penn State and I was a better writer when I graduated from Penn State, um, I'm a journalism major. So, you know, the constant work in class to craft a compelling story. Um, I definitely learned that in my journalism classes. There's no question about that. Um, and I certainly still use those same creative, uh, processes today, um, in the work that I do. Um, but you know, for me, the, the, the main thing that came out of Penn State was my, um, I, I grew into a leader at Penn State, and, and that wasn't just in my classes, but also, actually, most of it was outside of class. Um, you know, when I was there, I, uh, by the time I was, when I was a senior, I was the overall parade chair for homecoming, um, and, and, you know, organizing over 200 
parade entrances entrance into what was the largest homecoming parade in the country at the time in 1993, I think it was, um, you know, that gave me an enormous amount of confidence in my ability to juggle several things at once. And, uh, you know, that's an essential skill for a producer and a business owner. Um, kind of like what Jared was saying. I mean, we have to do everything, um, as a business owner. I mean, I, I, somebody who, who is very creative, like we both are, um, we like to see pretty pictures and tell really good stories. And the last thing we want to do is deal with a profit and loss statement, but that's what you have to do. And so, um, you look at balance sheets, you deal with accountants, you deal with real estate agents, you deal with lawyers, um, uh, you know, on a regular basis. And th those are things that are in the background of running your own business that, um, you know, you're not always prepared for when you come out as a creative person. And so, um, being that learning how to be a leader in, in the extracurricular activities that I did at Penn State was, uh, far and beyond, um, you know, has gotten me where I am today. There's no question about it. Being able to stand in front of people and do interviews and deal with adults, um, at that young age of 18, 19, 20 years old, um, has, uh, continued, um, to, to, help me with my success for sure. And, um, without going to a school like Penn state, without having those opportunities, uh, gosh, it's, it's hard to imagine, um, if I would have been able to become that person at another school. So Penn state provided me that. And I, to this day, appreciate everything, which is why I continue, we continue to give back to the board, you know, the Bilosario school to have being engaged as an alumni, because, it opened doors. It absolutely opened doors um, for me. And I, I appreciate that to no end. I want to shift gears a bit and, uh, you know, talk to the listeners of this a lot of whom are, you know, students that will be looking to enter, you know, your fields and, and will likely be looking for freelancing jobs and, you know, subcontracting jobs out of school. And I guess, you know, I want to hear more about what are you looking for when, you know, your companies are hiring for, um, outside help and, you know, kind of guiding, you know, the newly Penn State Belisario graduate on navigating, you know, the entire media industry from that perspective. So that's a really great question. I know Jared and I have talked about that and I believe that Jared uses freelancers. I can tell you for sure that, you know, every project that we have with our clients has, you know, two, three, four freelancers, subcontractors on, on the job, um, you know, per, you know, filling some sort of position and being a freelancer is tough. It really is. Um, and I understand the, that there's a lot of students that I talk to when I'm at Penn state that want to run their own company or immediately go out into the world, uh, into the real world, the working world and be a freelancer because they want to have control over, the projects that they're working on and, you know, the, the flexibility of their lives. And I completely understand that. And I'm not certainly not here to um, crush those dreams at all of some of those students. But, you know, I have to uh, give advice based on my own experience. And, and I, I honestly believe that taking some time to work in a professional setting under somebody else's leadership was so valuable to me as a producer um, and as a writer uh, that I recommend everyone sort of take a take a moment and, and realize that 
if you if you work at a television station, if you work at an agency, if you work under somebody who can help provide you with both the professional um, experience uh, and responsibility that, and guide you um, into, you know, how you're, how you act on set and how you interact with other people on your crew and, and how you deal with actors and all that sort of stuff. Things that you really don't learn when you're in school that you learn in the real world, in the working world, um, you know, that's worth doing. And then you come out that at some point, if you want to turn into a freelancer and be a subcontractor, you are, you're much more valuable to somebody like me. Um, you know, I've always said before that, um, I like to hire videographers that take pretty pictures, but I also like to hire videographers that have worked in news at some point in their lives. And the reason for that is because they understand the concept of time. They understand the concept of deadline. And, you know, a lot of the things that we do are on certain budgets. And with the budget, there's not a lot of time to spend on, you know, um, you know, lighting the perfect shot. You know, if we've got 10 shots we have to get to through that day, I'm not going to spend hours on lighting the first one. Um, you know, that's the reality of what we do. So, so somebody who has a news background um, understands a deadline and understands that, okay, at some point we got to move on. Um, and so there are things like that, that business owners in our business, uh, in our creative business that are seeing, um, in the freelancers. So, uh, you know, it, just because you take good pictures, uh, just because you're a great writer, you know, doesn't mean you'll fit into the crew the way I want or I need you to. Um, so you'll have to hustle yourself a little bit if you want to be a freelancer and you have to be present and willing and able and you have to impress me with your work ethic, um, not just your pretty pictures. I would agree with everything that Pam said. Uh, yes, I, I use freelancers and I use only freelancers. Now, I, I do have uh, uh, contractors that I use. They're on a more longer term basis for our, our productions that are more uh, regular but uh, or more frequent. But the rest of the time, I use freelancers, and for many reasons. I, it's the cost factor, really. If, believe me, if I had 40 hours of video work every week, I'd have full-time videographers. But you're not going to find very many video production companies that have that. And uh, you, you might be able to find jobs at broadcast stations or affiliates and, and networks that have something like that. But even they're starting to rely more and more on freelancers because uh, just bottom line related, it's cheaper to have someone and bring them in when they're needed and send them home when they're not needed. So from a business standpoint, you see a lot more of that. Uh, even when it comes to sports and live sports, which you're seeing a lot more of, the crews that are hired by the, the people out of the big cities or you know, that come to Penn State to shoot football or hockey or whatever, the people behind the cameras are almost certainly freelance people that they bring in to go to work there. So uh, we, yes, freelance, absolutely, that's what we hire. Is it a difficult job to be, or is it a difficult life to have as a freelancer? Yes and no. It depends on, you know, what, what you're looking for. I think that um, it provides you with a great deal of freedom. It provides you with the ability, and I, and I say this as a person that, that hires freelancers, but then I also work as a freelancer for other production companies. Somebody needs a shooter, I'll go shoot, I'll do sound, I'll do graphics, whatever. I go out and do that. Um, but whether I'm hiring or whether I'm doing it, it's, it's, it's fun because you're doing something different all the time. You know, as I said, my first job coming out of Penn State was working for an ad agency that all they did was car ads. So all I did was car ads. 
And that gets pretty old pretty quick when all you're doing is going to car lots and doing pans and zooms and, you know, standing up with one of the salesmen talking about a car and all that. That gets really old really quick. But as a freelancer, you're able to bounce around and do a lot of different things. And, and to Pam's point, as far as what type of person we're looking for, I would say it's a person that especially is someone coming out of Penn State. First of all, if you're coming out of Penn State, I really think you should go and work for someone and learn as much as you can. I always stress internships because, you know, I, I understand, guys, you're not being paid to be there. In many cases, you're paying to be there. But you have to ask questions. You have to learn as much as you can and come out of there with as many skills as you can that you can add as bullet points. It will help you as a freelancer. The more things you can do, the more skills you bring to the table, the more chances you have of getting work. And that leads me to the second point. One thing you need to eliminate from your vocabulary is, well, that's not my job. Because when we're on, where we're in the field, and we're on production. I may be the director, but you'll see me pulling cable too. I might be a camera guy, but I'm helping the sound guy carry equipment and set things up. You will work as a team. If you're not a team player, you're not going to work as a freelancer. I'll tell you that. But uh, you know, so you, you really have to come out and understand. You know, look at things with a big picture, a, a, a broad vision of what's going on, and look at how you can fit in. And the other thing is, too, as Pam said, we, you know, I, I try to hire the same guys and, and gals all the time because I know their personalities. I know what they're good like. And they're just pleasant to be around. That makes a, a huge difference when you're working. You know, it's midnight. You're outside. It's pouring rain or it's blowing snow and you're outside trying to get a shot. You want to have people that you like. You want to have people that, that you understand. I, I say we have ESP. I, I can look at someone and they're off doing it before I even tell them to do it and vice versa. So there, there are a lot of skills that as a student coming out of Penn State that by working a little while and, and being part of a crew and understanding things will make you a much better freelancer. And again, it, personality is such a huge, huge thing. Uh, when it comes to working on a team and being out in the field. How do you find freelancers? So how, you know, do you use web job sites or what is the best way that you kind of find the people who work for you on projects? So for me, it's really about um, recommendation. That's quite honest. You know, there there are several people that we work with that are, um, you know, our go-to people. You know, the, the kind of like what Jared was saying, the people that we know will represent us well um, as being a freelancer, as part of fuel on a job with a client. Um, and when they come to me and say, hey, um, there's a new guy who came to town or there's a new graduate from Virginia Commonwealth University, which has a great program as well um, locally to us, you know, that's really good. That's a, a, just, a you know, a, an all around um, you know, good student, good, uh, professional, but you know, I'm, I'm more likely to contact them and say, Hey, do me a favor, send me a reel, come in and talk to me, things like that. Um, you know, going to a website and just sort of seeing what's available, you know, uh, in some way that some of those, some of those websites that have that, um, it's not, that's not what I do. I much prefer have a connection with that, um, that person in some way. Uh, and I'm the, my first thing is a text message to somebody that I know that says, Hey, do you know anybody who, who would be willing to be a production assistant? And then they make the recommendation. So that's why it's really important to understand that, you know, y you may be really great at your job, whatever that role may be on a production, you may take really great pictures and be a kind of a creative artist. But if you're not a personable person, 
you know, uh, individual. And if you're not somebody who understands the role that you, the professional role that you fill when you're on set with, uh, um, on behalf of another company like mine, then you're not going to get hired. So, um, if you do know it, if you do, if you are good and you do impress me as a person and as a professional, um, I'll hire you every time. Well, uh, like Pam said, I, I tend to use people that I know. I mentioned that before, people that I've worked with. Uh, you know, We have a pretty solid cadre of people here in the Laurel Highlands that I can go to for everything from lighting to sound to uh, shooter, whatever it is, editor, uh, and vice versa. Again, they, they might hire me, I hire them, but we have a, a core group of people here that we're always looking to add to. So if there's any students out there in the Laurel Highlands, you know, hey, shoot me an email. Uh, with your um, uh, resume, I'd love to look at it. But when we go on the road, and here's a great example, when we go on the road for, let's say, a sports shoot, the example I'll use is we just got done with our production in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, powerboat race. And uh, I used to take a whole crew. We'd all, you know, get in a van and we'd all go. Uh, but, you know, budgets being what they are, I can't afford travel. I can't afford hotel rooms, food, all that kind of stuff for everybody based on the budget that they're giving me. So I, you know, need to find someone local. The, the website that I use, and this is in no way an endorsement or a plug, it's just this has worked for me, um, is Production Hub, productionhub.com. And you can go and search, you know, location, you can search by skill, you can, uh, or job and by skill, and then, you know, subsets off of that skill, you know, shooter. And in this case, it was Knoxville, Tennessee, videographer, sports, live sports. And uh, I was able to find a handful of people. Uh, it was really, you know, f first two or three people that email me back. Then what, then what I would do is I would call them and talk with them briefly, and, you know, just to kind of get to know them just a little bit, not ask any personal questions, just talk to them a little bit and judge their excitement level, their energy level. And then um, uh, they might send me some samples of what they've done. And I've, I've never been disappointed by that. The, the, the Knoxville guys, in fact, it was... Two years ago, uh, when I first started doing it with these guys, but then what happened was this year, I just called the same guys, said, hey, I'm coming back. You want to work? And here's another little tidbit as far as freelancing is concerned. Always offer options. The one gentleman that worked with us last year couldn't make it this year. And instead of saying, sorry, dude, can't help you. Good luck. He says, hey, I can't make it this year. I wish I could. Had a great time. Can't do it this year. But here's a guy that might help you out. And I've already contacted him. Here's his email. He's expecting your call. So that little touch right there said, all right, if you think he's okay and I know what your, you know, your quality level is, and I called that guy and he worked out great. And um, so as far as finding crew on the road and I don't know anyone in that area, I, I immediately go to Production Hub, but then I follow it. I don't just base my decision on Production Hub. Then I follow it up with you know, some, uh, some phone calls and some texts. And then I ask for, if they have it, a, a link to a, you know, YouTube or Vimeo that I can see what kind of stuff they've done. And then I'll discuss with them, you know, what it is I'm looking to do. This is, you know, very fast, you know, boats on the water, you know, are you used to dealing with things that are, you know, moving fast left and right, you know, and, uh, talk to them that way. So, it, but that's how I find my crew. Great. So I think we're, you know, we're almost out of time, but I want to touch on kind of one more thing that I think uh, is important for our listeners today. And that's, you know, what are some of the areas of the business that you're seeing either taking off now or in the past couple of years, you've seen clients 
coming to you a lot more for than in years past? Are there any, you know, real areas of the business that students who are looking to enter somewhere that's, you know, really taking off any kind of jumping points that you see? Um, social media, basically, hands down. I mean, the amount of content that we create that in some way used to be on, say, um, an internal, you know, closed circuit uh, intranet of some sort, you know, so, um, it now has to be, there has to be versions of it that can run on social. Um, you know, I, I used to tell, you know, students that there were, when I used to talk to them, um, that they're back in the day, that there were so many stations on cable television that they were bound to get a job. Um, you know, but now there is so many options for these students now, um, to not just work in, in, television or on a website or whatever it is but but the whole you know the concept of self-publishing uh and creating your own channel and doing your you know getting your art out there or whatever it is corporations and agencies and um uh, you know every government even you know they're all sort of riding that same wave of creating their own content on their own channels that are um, tactical in some way, social media, you know, channels, that, those sorts of things. And so from a production standpoint, social media is great because there's less constriction on the content, um, you know, as there might be in, in cable and local television. So like something doesn't have to be 27 and a half seconds long to be commercial. You know, it can be 45 seconds on social. It can be 15 seconds. We just finished something for Amtrak that was 15 seconds, you know. Um, so it was you know, a series of 15 second sort of commercials for Amtrak that are going to run on their social media. So um, that's really uh, where I see a lot of the con like content creation and video work going to, at least for our corporations and our agencies that we're working with. Um, so, and it's, it's an ever evolving part of the industry. Uh, it could change tomorrow. I mean, it's so fast that, um, but right now, I think that's that's what's working for our clients for sure. I would echo everything Pam said as far as uh, the social media and video and content. It's really, to use a funny term, it's the wild west of the media. I mean, there's no rules. You can do whatever you want. You're, as, as Pam mentioned, you know, a television program has to be exactly 28 minutes and 30 seconds, not a frame above, not a frame below. Well, you could put something on the internet that, as Pam said, is 15 seconds long, is 28 seconds and 13 frames. It doesn't matter as long as, you know, it, it tells a story and it serves the client well. We're seeing a lot of work for social media or whether it's social media or whether it's a social media platform. Let's say, um, you know, a company has an oil water separator and they want to show their clients, uh, you know, they, they used to send them a pamphlet on this is how you do quality control on this particular piece of equipment. Well, now that pamphlet has been replaced by a video on this company's YouTube channel that if someone calls up and says, hey, I have an oil water separator, it's not doing this. Well, here, let me send you this tutorial. And they send them a link. They can watch it on their phone while they're standing right in front of the piece of equipment. 
and it makes you know taking care of that equipment that much easier and it's a lot cheaper than producing a bunch of pamphlets and brochures and then mailing them out all over the place so social media as a platform beyond just the entertainment end is really taking off you're seeing a lot of corporations use it for a lot of training a lot of um, a customer support related things as well as marketing and sales but another element that I, I, I'd like to touch on real quick is live sports if you if you want to work in television I can tell you right now that one of the fastest growth things is live sports. In the days of, that we're in now of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, YouTube, all the on-demand programming, network programmers are seeing that there is a, a, really the only place they're making money is live sports. So you're seeing a lot more live sports on networks as well as the internet uh, platform, whether it be you know, ESPN Plus or Fox Sports uh, on, on their internet platform. Uh, ESPN3 is another one. So what I would say, if I was a student at Penn State, I would say hang out by the Bryce Jordan Center, talk to people within the John Curley School of, uh, of Sports Journalism, see how you can get in front of the people that show up on Saturday and cover the Penn State game or the hockey games or any, anybody from the Big Ten Network that might come in. Shadow them, follow them, get a good reputation with them because, again, as a freelancer, those are great jobs. That's a three-hour job. That's a four-hour job to do a live, uh, live show. And the nice thing is, guys, when that show's done, you're done. You don't have to go back and edit and do all that kind of stuff. You just break your gear down, put it in a truck, and wait for a paycheck. So uh, that's another option, aside from the social media, that I see growing and continuing to grow based on need, based on how the audience is changing in television. So, Pam and Jared, this has all been great. Do you have any final parting words for uh, our listeners tonight. I just want to add one, one quick thing. At a recent alumni thing, I had a student come up to me and say, you know, she was a journalism major. And she said to me, uh, I, I, I go home and my parents say to me, we don't think you're going to be able to find a job. We want you to change your major. And she was very emotional. She was really worked up because she didn't want to change her major. She already had a lot invest, a lot of time and obviously money invested in her journalism degree. And she says, but my parents don't think I'll be able to find a job because I'll have this journalism degree and I'm not going to find work. And I said, no, you're going to have a journalism degree, but more importantly, you're going to have a Bachelor of Arts education from Penn State. And that education goes far beyond you being able to find one type of job out there in the workforce. As a journalist, you are... You, know, you have skills in, in research, you have skills in writing, you have skills in problem solving that you can build on, and especially in the creative writing, which is so, so, so needed out here in the business world. You know, I, I just don't want uh, students to think that because they're majoring in one thing, or they have this film and video, or they have advertising, or they have journalism, that's what they have to do when they graduate. There are so many things and so many places you could go with your Penn State education. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Jared, and I say this often to students when I when I talk with them that you know, regardless of their ma of their major in the Belisario School, they are learning how to be expert communicators. Period. And every corporation, every uh, every every corporation, every company, every agency, every nonprofit, every government agency, everybody needs expert communicators, and that's exactly what these kids are learning. So. The jobs are there, um, and they you just have to find the one that fits you the best. One of the things that I think is really important and what is way different than it was when I was at, school, at Penn State and when Jared was at Penn State as well is that nowadays all 
Belisario students, regardless of their major, whether it be advertising, PR, telecom, um, film and video, broadcast journalism, you know, all of those, they should be leaving Penn State with a working knowledge of Adobe Creative Suite in some way, whether it's Photoshop, After Effects, Premiere, InDesign, Illustrator, any of that, um, which I think is free for Penn State students now, which is amazing to me. Um, but they, those students who have a working knowledge of those uh, um, software programs will be a hundred times more valuable to a potential employer or to a client if you know how to do those things required for the success of the project. Um, one of the things that, and Jared will certainly agree with me here, is that we, you know, he and I probably have a museum of, of uh, full of tape decks in our facility. Um, you know, when we started our company 15 years ago, it was because we were lucky enough to get the business loan so that we could buy the equipment needed for industry standard post-production and production. Now, these nowadays, 15 years later, students are learning this on, you know, in class and it's on their laptop. And so the, the industry, the production and post-production industry has changed dramatically with technology that what was professional is now becoming consumer. Um, and these kids have to grab that and really, um, really learn all of those things that are available to them, all the software programs that are available to them because everybody is learning it. So get good at it when you have and make your mistakes and um, when you're in college, because when you leave, you'll become, uh, you know, the fact that you walk in my door and you say, yeah, I know how to edit. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. I'm like, you're on. I'll take you. Um, you know, you're valuable to me. So that's what I would say to Belisario students. If you haven't touched any of the software programs in Adobe Creative Suite, start today for sure. I would agree with Pam and I would say not only uh, you should start with the, uh, you should learn all that, but then also don't, don't limit yourself to, if you're a video person, learning Premiere, or if you want to go into graphics, learning After Effects, or if you're a journalist and you're using Photoshop for your photographs. There are so many different pieces of the creative suite that un unbelievably you're given for free as a Penn State student, something that I pay the subscription every month at about $140 a month to have all four of our edit bays equipped with all this. But it, it's really an incredible option. And as Pam says, yes, I have a, I literally have, as you come into our lobby, I have old photography equipment, old, old video equipment. And down in the storage room, I have beta SP decks that back in the day cost $23,000 that are now rendered useless, obviously, because they're, they're standard definition and they're tape. But what used to take, I always say, what used to take a wall full of equipment, literally a wall full of equipment to produce video can now be done on a laptop. Now it used to take $50,000, $100,000 if you threw the camera in there to produce you know, just regular video can now be done on a, what, $2,000, $3,000 laptop. And you're given an incredible opportunity at Penn State by having the software available for free if you're going in production, you have to know this stuff. And even if you're not going into production, if there's, if there's uh, students listening to this that are going into advertising or going into journalism, as I said, it, it certainly doesn't hurt to be going in and have, a, especially journalists, to have, a, to have a working background of video production as one of the things you're seeing more and more newspapers do is video. So you could be a great writer, but I would say learn Photoshop, but at the same time, 
really hit that really hit uh, premiere. And for my film and video friends, hey, get that After Effects in there, man. That's that's an incredible program. That even 18 years after starting my own business, we only use After Effects for about five percent of what it's capable of, and it still blows people's minds. So it's a great opportunity, guys. You really need to be taking advantage of it. Well, Pam, Jared, I want to thank you both for joining me tonight. And um, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Penn State Conversations are presented by the Young Alumni Council of the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications Alumni Society Board. The Alumni Society Board aims to help elevate the stature of the college through dialogue with faculty, students, the dean, and associate deans. And the Young Alumni Council aims to foster a strong connection between young alumni and the college to inspire lifelong support and involvement. For more information or to learn how you can get involved, please visit belisario.psu.edu slash alumni.